Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the Let's Do the Right Thing podcast, curated and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Hello and welcome to the LDTRT podcast, a podcast helping you see where industry leaders and legends have started with a new direction and, well, done the right thing along the way. Today I'll be talking with Jonathan Durden and asking specifically about the journey to date and what best and worst things have been about it. We only ever planned for what would happen if it went wrong. When it went right from day one, we were mystified, to be perfectly honest. It was absolutely beyond our dreams. All we could think about was not paying the mortgage and going bankrupt, having a company called PhD, which sounds clever, and being made to look idiots in front of our peer group. I mean, that was our main concern. No plans whatsoever if it went right. I'm Adam Hopkinson, the host of this podcast and the founder of LDTRT, Let's Do the Right Thing. For those of you who don't know us, we're a specialist consultancy set to transform businesses by delivering best practice and excellence in the world of digital media. We also have a bit of a passion for blockchain. We have a couple of thanks to give straight off the bat. Um, It's been a delight working with RadioWorks to get this project running and it wouldn't have happened without them, so thank you very much. I have to also thank James Carey for the music behind this. My brief of making it sound like Slayer was wisely well ignored. Uh, And of course, to Jonathan, who is perhaps best known as the co-founder of PhD, a $12 billion media agency network. PhD was established to do the right thing by putting planning front and center and doing what is right for the client's objectives rather than focusing on restricted buying-led approach. An author, you can find his first book in the shelves of the Club at the Ivy. An artist, a TV personality, a punsmith, if that is indeed a word a men's grooming champion, a commentator on the industry, an investor in businesses with unique propositions, and to me, a great friend and something of a mentor. It's a pleasure to have you today. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you very much for having me. I suspect this will tangent into many different directions, but perhaps we could start with PhD. PhD is often said to be the favourite agency of media salespeople due to the approach taken, access granted, briefing quality, and indeed from people who've worked there who've said it's the best place, people-orientated place they've ever worked for. You've got to be pretty pleased looking back at what you achieved. Um, I, I, smug is a good word. Excellent. Smug. Um, but in reality, the beauty of it now is it's bubble-wrapped. So I had 17 years there. We sold after only six years, but the 17 years was one hell of a roller coaster to use a platitude. But it is bubble wrapped in the sense that, in my memory, it can't be tarnished or because it's, you know, I don't run it. I have nothing to do with it anymore. I can, I can draw some sort of reflected glory by clinging onto the D 
in, in the PhD, but that's about it. But it is um, bomb-proof as in my head, and I can move on. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And you have indeed moved on. Indeed. Fantastic. Well, we'll talk about where you're at at the minute. But when did you realize that there was a, a gap in the market for putting, well, putting planning first rather than competing on buying as a headline? Um, well, I don't think it really works like that. Um, it, it was set up because it was our timing. So David Patterson, Nick Corswell and me, it was our timing. Um, and you you look at the market as it stands because it's your moment to do your own thing and what you can do and what, what makes you excited. It just so happened that Zenith had launched, which is the big, when all the sort of Saatchi group effectively put all their buying together into one place. And then everybody else, all the other groups, all the other agencies, all rushed after them like sheep, um, using words like economies of scale and buying and so on. It seemed just very odd because it was just at a moment when there were some exciting things for once starting to happen in the media industry. You know, from what sounds pathetic now, like colour entering newspapers. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm that old. Um <laughs> But, you know, you could start actually using it. Sky had launched B, Sky B, blah, blah, blah. And yet the industry was hell-bent on turning itself into a blunt instrument to bludgeon media owners with. Um, and that didn't happen to be my passion or my partner's passion. And because you know how it works generally, um, if businesses and everybody sort of nods and follows, um, it leaves a void or a vacuum behind it. 
And we happened to be equipped to be able to fill that void and vacuum with something that was in the opposite direction. So like the classic first Levi's ad that BBH did, you know, when others zig zag and it's a picture of loads of white sheep all pointing in one direction and one black sheep in the middle pointing in the opposite direction. That's effectively what we did, but it wasn't what I'd call a plan. It was really, it was triggered by a bad experience when we worked for somebody else. And that experience taught us, no matter how much we were paid, and they were very generous that way, they didn't care about the people in the in, in their business. They did not care about the talent. Um, anybody. It wasn't just personal. Um, and no matter how much they paid us, we learned that lesson the hard way and decided that that was the nudge we needed to jump off a cliff. So the three of us held hands and jumped off a cliff together, uh, walking away from a lot of money, putting the houses on the line, um, and, you know, we had a one-year-old child at the time and all that. My wife said, well, never mind. I don't want to live with you unless you do do this. And if it doesn't work out, well, you know what? You can be a postman and you see more of the kids. And uh, that's all <laughs> the endorsement you need. That's all the encouragement you need. And we set about building a company, not just about being planning and, and sort of words like that, hygiene kind of words, but a company that genuinely cared about the talent and the people. And to to put them first, because clients come and go for the weirdest of reasons. Um, but if you've got the right team and you've got the right culture and you've got the right energy, more clients come than go. It's as simple as that. It feels like you got it right on day one, though, if people are still talking about PhD being their favorite agency for brand values that you'd put in place. It's great. Only because we'd learned the hard way about how not to do it. So I, I can, I, mean, I won't name the agency, but... But um, because they had many, many good things going on there, it was a great agency. But um, basically, the one thing they didn't do was the one thing that was really important, and that was have a sense of team, make it worthwhile. I mean, why do people go to offices? You know, that you know, you're, you're stuck in rooms with without much natural light under strange fluorescent bulbs, staring at screens for hours on end. I mean, why the hell would you go there unless it was fun? Why the hell would you go there unless you're working with interesting people? Why would you go there unless it was boys and girls, 50-50, characters, people with a sense of humour, and, and just, you know, you get the best out of people. People would, would come in at the weekend, even if they weren't asked to, you know, because it's more fun there than it was at home. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, the benefit to the clients was obvious. The work was brilliant, and it wasn't all coming from the top. People were listened to, and that, that was fundamentally important people are allowed to make mistakes um knowing they wouldn't be fired unless they were genuinely rubbish at their job in yeah. which case they would be fired but if you made a mistake for the right reasons they needn't fear you know you're encouraged to stretch yeah. I, I, I really like that you, you you've described it to me before as being a fail safe environment that if you do make a mistake and it's recoverable and you've done it for the right intentions, then yeah. okay. I know. mean, we, we learned that also the hard way by not firing people because we like them or they've been there a long time and then everyone else loses respect for you and you have to go through that to some extent because that's important as well. The role of management is to actually, for people who are really doing their best and are really good at what they do and they see people who are not very good at what they do, given... Um, an equal kind of status uh, that needs addressing. But that's by exception, not by the rule. The rule is if you're good, stretch, do it. And, 
you know, it, it made for ma- amazing loyalty. The agency we went, we worked for before, David and myself, um, was like a, a merry-go-round. People with the most amazing talent would turn up, but they'd only stay a year or less. And do you know in PhD, <clears throat> the same three receptionists are still there, and they have been there 25 years, all three of them. Now, that isn't necessarily what you aim for. You need new blood and all that kind of thing. But people are appreciated. It's not about the titles. It's about being appreciated, about being listened to. There, there, there seems to be a lot of doubt um, in the industry at the minute about maybe for the future of media agencies and potentially um, actual consultancies coming in and eating some of the lunch of the media agencies. But I also feel that... Um, that there's a problem in generally the way that people are treated and maybe behaving, and there's there's a lot of rebate scandals, etc., going on at the moment. Do do you think that the the industry can recover, and do you think it will? Well, that's a that's a big question, isn't it? Um, there's a lot of in housing going on, um, and the role of a media company, if it's buying um, that side of it negotiating, particularly on the digital side, which has always been murkier. But even before that, there is no reason why big clients wouldn't in-house it or use consultants to help them get that right. Because they're coming from such a point where most of the money was rebated back to the agency without the client knowing. However, I would also say clients are entirely complicit in this. I mean, even, let me think, PhD launched in 1990 and it was starting then. And it started because of clients, because clients employed people um, who would be there just measured about how much fee they could get the fee down by. In other words, you know, how much little commission they would give the agency. But they were never briefed to ask how they might make that money up. So if someone's doing something for virtually nothing, you know, the person in procurement gets a pat on the head. Yeah. On the other hand, the agency has to earn a living. And they found the easiest way to do that was to do a deal, or we've done a bit of consultancy with the Express or something, mm. and get the money back that way. But no one ever looked. You know, and that, that, that was as much a client issue as it was an agency issue. However, over 30 years, it's grown to such an extent that the kickbacks represent 70% of the entire group, never mind just the media side of it, their profits. And that is clearly wrong. I mean, if you were, if you had a problem, you know, with your ankle, and you went to a doctor, and the doctor said, "Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what what you need. You need head and shoulders, because they got more of a kickback for selling you dandruff <laughs> yeah. shampoo than they do for anything to do with an ankle." I don't think you'd be very happy about that, let alone surgeons. And we always felt that that was not the role of what media companies were supposed to do. We were supposed to be neutral. We're supposed to do the best thing by the client and spend their money wisely. So we always charged more than everyone else, but we could never say why. I mean, people just thought we were arrogant or thought, oh, they must be worth it or not hire us, which happened quite a lot. But we'd rather do that and not bring the industry into disrepute at that point than take the money. So we were absolutely straight and honest from day one. And it didn't hold us back, funny enough, because very much like you said a media owners were very pro us and our first client was the guardian and i believe there's still a client there at phd some you know 30 years later and they they paid top dollar and they didn't care because they wanted 
they they wanted impartial advice and they wanted to know exactly how much they were paying and they were smart and that that helped us a lot you know that kind of support we didn't know that would work we were very fearful you know we 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 only ever planned for what would happen if it went wrong when it went right from day one we were mystified <laughs> to be perfectly honest it was absolutely beyond our dreams all we could think about was not paying the mortgage and going bankrupt having a company called phd which sounds clever and being look, made being made to look idiots in front of our peer group i mean that was our main concern no plans whatsoever if it went right okay bizarre good to know well that's a great bit of advice <laughs> thank you so if the industry resets itself then if, if procurement and marketing could get things in balance and use the agencies correctly do you think that there is a future for media agencies i think there is a future for media agencies because there's always a future for experts and also experts who have a wider view and a wider experience than just working on one client or just working in one narrow area and also being under um, being ordered around effectively by management that don't really know what they're talking about in this particular area. Of course, there'll always be a role. But the role of a media agency is always and should always have been wider than just buying. And that's, you know, that that's to be explored. I mean, mm. if, I, if I was running an agency now, I think I'd be looking to expand the remit of what they do, not looking at a shrinking market. I'd start to think about, well, what about sports sponsorships? You know, in answering a brief for a brand, hardly any of them look at things like, well, if we sponsor Man United, we'll get involved with schools, or what about if we solve parking issues? You know, like Lloyds Bank, which is my least favourite campaign in the world. I am a Lloyds customer, by the way, but by your side, um, it doesn't feel right as a line. It's almost like the bank wants to be by your side in order to pickpocket you. <laughs> but if the bank by your side actually did something, yeah. like solve something to do with schools or get involved with, you know, but really mean it, yeah. that would be different. But most media agencies, I won't say all, but most media agencies don't include the wider palette in answering the questions they're being asked. They answer the questions within the narrow channels they're supposed to be responsible for. And faced with that, what you have is a shrinking market. And you can't do much about that. So I would personally like to see them kind of mobilise themselves and get a bit more uh, confident and less nervous. Well, I hope that happens. Uh, you went out alone and uh, set up a consultancy business, which is already keeping you out of trouble. For me, and being selfish and hungry for advice here, who is also setting out alone, uh, and listeners to this who may be doing or considering the same thing, what, what was a key piece of insight that you would give? Maybe what would you have liked to have heard yourself at the beginning of your journey well bear in mind that i didn't become a consultant until i was 57 and my biggest fear was and i'd been living up a mountain in spain my biggest concern was that um, my age the fact that i'd missed something so i was no longer in touch and that people would just think who's that old git um and i would be dismissed out of hand and rejected and even if you're thinking that which is a natural thing to do i mean i don't know about you but i spent my entire life every morning waking up thinking i'll get found out today i mean irrespective of age but it's particularly so when you're in your 50s and you're starting and then you you just you just worry i wish someone had said no it's not like that 
you meet the market or meet people halfway and you go in full of what you think. Because experience is still valued, even though the world has changed, technology, everything else. You know, you have something to offer. If you're a creative person, you're still creative. You know, if you're a person who knows how to build chemistry with people and build bridges or whatever it happens to be, you are still that person. Just because the vessel is older does not mean the essence of the person is. I mean, I am mentally five. I know this because I spent a lot of money on therapy. And that's the only thing I learned. And I'm still five. Still five. Right. Okay. I'm still five. And I know for fat you're four. Oh, right. So okay. you aspire to be me. I do. I really yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish I'd have known that. And in fact, it took me, um, I had to reboot my head. So I, I decided instead of paying therapist, I would make a list of everything I was really scared of. I mean, really scared, you know, random list like robots. Yeah, it could be, but it was mosquitoes, uh, <laughs> holding other people's babies, being a passenger in a car, um, Africa in general because of the insects and that whole side of it. And this list was quite extensive. But the thing is, if you make a list, suddenly it's like your radar goes up and those things become more visible. So they're everywhere. It's a bit like that. So if you were buying a Volvo, a yeah. particular model, suddenly that particular model of Volvo is shouting at you as they go past you on the motorway. Yeah. You know, whereas yesterday, nothing. Didn't see, hadn't nothing, seen any of these nothing. yet. Oh, they're everywhere. So within three weeks of making this list, I met um, somebody who'd set up an orphanage for abandoned babies with AIDS in Uganda. Three weeks after that, I was there and I slept on the floor and I just kept my mouth shut, which is a rare thing. And I, I... I just experienced it. There was nothing about that I wanted to do. I was not saving the world. All I was doing was looking after me, as usual. I've tried to help them afterwards, but you know what I mean? I wasn't there for that. I was there for me. And what that did was put my brain into shock, the noisy bit of my brain at the front, the frontal lobes, the bit that you're lying in bed at night and that bit is just going on about how rubbish you are and stressing about money and all that kind of thing. It went into shock. It shut up. And the rest of my head went, thank God he's gone. And I came back. And I came back rebooted. And from that moment on, could not stop getting work. So my first client was Lad Bible. And the oldest person there is about 12. <laughs> they are right? a young bunch. And, um, and, you know, I'm wheeled in there to, to kind of make, make a speech. Actually, in the, the office, there's about 100 people in this office all staring at screens. So I just turn around and listen to this old man or whatever. <laughs> But it was fine, absolutely fine, because I, I had no more fears. It's, something had changed in my head. And I wish someone had told me that when I was younger, because maybe I would have been braver. So we should all go to Namibia. Well, no, but the, it's your version, I mean, yeah. you know, whatever your version is of rebooting. It could be anything, to be honest. It could be meditation. It has the same effect. But that, that whole, that was um, an experience that really helped me. Address our fears. Hmm. Get on with it. Yeah, fair enough. You did say to me once a few years ago that that um, you know just jump out of the plane. You'll you'll have figured out the parachute by the time you know you'll have invented the parachute by the time you need it. Yeah. So it's just get on and do it, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. And there's nothing like a deadline to make you do something. Well, that's isn't a pretty it? big deadline. Looming. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. big deadline. <laughs> the pavement. Well. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that you, you say that, you know, that you, you have the fears of being found out because, you know, I, I, I think that you have a unique talent of being able to identify the core of an argument or a need very, very quickly. And then almost immediately after has come out with a creative genius idea that's associated with it. 
So, well, I think I have ADHD. Um, and that means to some extent I have to think quickly, whether it's good or bad. I can't always tell. Not everything anyone says is good or brilliant or anything. But to get to the answer quickly takes a natural kind of putting yourself in other people's shoes, be able to project yourself into other other people's situations and then coming up with a uh, time doesn't really help is what I'm saying. Deadlines tend to help. And there's no bigger deadline than jumping out of a plane mm. because death is looming and you see <laughs> it coming, you know, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so some quick fire questions to, uh, to round, round off with. Um, what is the best piece of advice that you've had? Um, actually my, my mentor and my partner and my friend, Nick Horswell, the H PhD, he doesn't say very much. He's quite a private guy. And, um, he once just out of the blue really just said to me to design a life. He said to me three words. That's the longest sentence I think I've ever heard from him. Design a life. And I thought, what the hell is he talking about? And he explained that um, putting up barriers and reasons not to do things, putting up ways to give yourself an excuse to fail. So I would, you know, on occasion I'd do a pitch and I was really nervous or something and I'd probably have a couple of drinks the night before and not be feeling 100%. And if I didn't win it, I could always say to myself, well, I wasn't really on top form because I had a few drinks. Or people won't start a business, for instance, because they will blame the children. Yep. You know, as the kids, they, they you know, how can I do this to them? Uh, the school fees, or what about the mortgage? Or, you know, you look for reasons not to do things. When he said design a life, he's, he basically meant there is no point in not going for 100% exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Because it's as easy to get there as it is to not get there. You've got about the same chance. But without excuses, it just feels more scary, but it also feels more exhilarating. And so I've tried, not always succeeded, but I have tried to live by designer life and try and imagine what might make you happy because I can guarantee everyone listening can make a long list of things they don't want to do, but it's really hard to make a short list of things you really do want to do. Wow. And I, I, I have to thank him for that. He's a very wise man. He is a wise man. Yeah, amazing. Um, well, that's a great... Good bit of advice. What's the worst bit of advice you've you've either had or heard that just didn't work, didn't make sense? Um, probably to myself that it was a good idea to go on Big Brother and give up a half a million pound job. Isn't that David's fault though? No, no, can no. We, can we not try and blame him? No, no, no. That was all me. Okay. So the worst things, bit of advice I've ever had, or many of them, and I have to say I don't regret that particular thing, but. Usually the worst piece of advice will come from me. And the worst piece of advice is I won't listen to, 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 what, yourself. to whatever anyone else will say oh. about that. So I will be self-powered to the extent of self-destruction, looking for a landmine to jump on, which is not a good idea. Are you still looking for landmines? I think so, but I have, I'm better equipped. Okay. I have more tools in the toolbox to stop me, but I still occasionally will wander off and lightly stamp on a landmine and blow myself up. And it is with boring regularity. So it's it's um it's um it's really stupid. You kind of know it, but you just do just, it anyway. Just do it anyway. Yeah. Usually, usually the sentence starts with 
Yes. Fuck it. <laughs> Sorry to swear. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Any sentence that starts with those two yeah. words usually means it's a landmine. Well, Richard Branson did okay by that as well, didn't he? I'm sure he did. Yeah. Screw I don't it. know Just him. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, is there a mantra that you've lived by? So a design, designer life sounds That's like that. That's the mantra, really. But the other one, um, which was more business orientated, was from our ex-boss when we were young men in our 20s. And we used to have managers' meetings and he was the boss. Very little to do with business, to be honest with you, but they were good fun. And out of the blue once in this managers' meeting, he just came out, can I swear? Yeah. He just came out with, fuck the clients, which I thought was bold, you know? Really, what he meant was, um, if we look after ourselves and this team, more clients will come than go. Now, ironically, after that, they treated me really badly. <laughs> and that was that nailed it, actually. But he'd already said it in that manager's meeting. And um, it, it is, it is, you know, it is all about the culture. It is all about the team. It is all about hiring people who are better than you and not being intimidated by that. And it is about providing an environment that's fun because it in, it in turn leads to hardworking, energised people. And we hired a, a psychiatrist to come and work at PhD as an in-house psychiatrist 25 years ago. Wow. That's and one-to-one one with everybody in the company to find out what would make them happy. And then we designed the company around the answers. And we, all those people who were kind of frightened potential entrepreneurs we took all the fear away from it because we would back them. They could work out of the offices. They could do all this stuff. And within three years, the first four companies that we had created from the energies of just our team made more money than the main company. Amazing. And we shared those profits with those people. That was amazing. Mm. You know, amazing. So we've been very lucky. Well, I've been very lucky to have you in here today. Indeed you have. I have. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all about me. No, it's not. It's all about you. Obviously. <laughs> Thank you. A pleasure, anytime. To hear more, subscribe to the show, and why not leave us a nice review while you're there, as it helps others find us. Let's Do the Right Thing was devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson and was a Maple Street Creative production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.